Longhorn fans, I'm Bobby Burton. This is On Texas Football. I'm joined today by Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3. Guys, uh, welcome in. Uh, Ian, you've been down in Arlington for a couple days at Big 12 Media Days. Jerry, uh, you were in Louisiana uh, earlier this week. Uh, There's been a lot of things going on right now. I want to talk to both of you guys uh, about those things and more as we start the day. Uh, let's go ahead and start with some recruiting updates. You had some news in the humidor today, Jerry, about uh, some recruits. Uh, DeAndre Robinson uh, caught my attention, the defensive lineman out of Orlando that Texas is so hot and heavy on. Uh, you had an update on his situation and where Texas stands. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell that to the folks. Yeah, first, I didn't let everybody know, though, I'm wearing black for Weiser's funeral after Bobby killed him last night. So, um just so everybody's clear on that. That's why I picked the black shirt today um, because it's 100,000 degrees in Houston. I wouldn't be wearing it otherwise. Um, but, yeah, no, I think DeAndre Robinson, look, I feel good about my RPM right now with Texas. I, I think Texas is in a good spot. I know Florida's not going to give up. They won't give up till signing day on DeAndre Robinson, just like Florida State didn't give up on Cedric Baxter. Uh, but I think headed into July 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern at Orlando Jones High School, I think Texas stands a pretty good shot. Uh to not to knock out Florida and stay ahead in this one and, and gain a commitment from DeAndre Robinson. Uh, something I think important for Texas fans to know is this is he's his own man now. This is a kid who does his own thing. He's his own man. Um, there's a lot of pressures that go along with this in this recruiting process, but he's gonna go where he wants to go. He's gonna make his own decision. That doesn't mean he doesn't love his family. His sister lives in Arlington, his mom lives in Orlando. Doesn't mean he doesn't love his family. Uh, Snapple sounds great right now. And uh, but he's going to make his own uh, decision that that I can say. And and I think as of right now, that decision leads him to Texas over Florida. But we'll see what happens on the 20th. Uh, Jerry, uh, this uh, obviously Texas missing out on Jaden Jackson yesterday to OU, the defensive lineman out of IMG. You also had an update on another IMG defensive lineman, uh, TJ Lindsay, a young man that's out of Bryant, Arkansas, originally is transferring. What's the very latest on him? Yeah, I think uh, TJ Lindsay was scheduled, uh, and there was a report on Inside Texas right now, was scheduled to be at Auburn and uh, Texas the last weekend in July. He's not going to make those trips. Um, at IMG Academy, they, they either want you to – they're okay if you clear those last weekend in July visits with the head coach and through the program, but then they don't also want you to do the in-season in visits. So if you're committed, go to a school or whatnot. You kind of have to choose. Um, so TJ chose uh, for to have the ability to make the in-state in-season visits to a school he's committed to or whatnot. Uh, so I think that's actually works out pretty well for Texas. I think that the worst thing in, in this uh, uh, recruitment for Texas would have been TJ Lindsay being in Austin Friday and flying over to Atlanta, driving to Auburn uh, for a, sat- a late Saturday and Sunday visit. I think if he makes the decision without getting on campus at either school or A&M or Miami, they're still swinging at it, uh, then I think that's probably the best-case scenario for Texas, and I still think it's Texas versus Auburn. Got it. Uh, all right, before I get to you, Ian, and ask you your big takeaways from this week's uh, time at uh, Big 12 Media Days, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. That's Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you'd like to be your own boss, own your own company, uh, maybe franchise ownership is for you. Uh, so if you're looking to leave the Corbett rat race, give an email or shoot an email to Andy at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. He has a process whereby he can he inputs the amount of time you want to take, how much money you can invest, uh, you know, 
whether what your expertise going into this is, uh, and then spits out a bunch of different possibilities that might be right for you. Give Andy a shout, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, Ian, it felt like a franchise convention to me a little bit. Brett Yormark was selling the goods on uh, Wednesday uh, to the group. Uh, felt very interesting to me as the, the new um, Big 12 commissioner tried to hype up the crowd, replaying the commercial twice for some unknown reason. Um, you know, beyond that, some of your major takeaways, though, as you listen to the coaches from, from all 14 schools. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how uh, right now it seems like Double Down Bread has a very high approval rating amongst the Big 12 riders. I wonder if that changes as they realize that he's going to pivot into being a basketball conference. Um, he's pretty openly not a football guy. He was basically saying as much. And football is where you make your money. I mean, he's done a good enough job right now on just keeping him stable in football. But I'm, I'm curious to see how that looks from a distance. Um, it'll be hard to keep up with it, though, with all the SEC stuff we'll be following. Yeah, um, yeah one of his big accomplishments, he thought, Jerry, and, and, and you, I know you didn't see this, he's going to have an alumni game at Rucker Park, which is, you know, a, a bastion of greatness in, in street-level so we're not talking. Like. We're not talking Vince Young and, and Justin Blaylock uh, alumni game, right? No, no, we're talking about <laughs> in, in Rucker Park, and I'm like, what is the Big 12? How did, well, we're going to connect to culture. And I'm like, I guess it's going to be the Adidas conference. I don't know. My, my point, it felt a lot like it, it felt very much. Um, it felt like he was trying to find a fit for the Big 12 to stand out amongst yeah. its peers uh, or hopeful peers in the SEC and the Big 10 when he knows otherwise they may not have. Uh, that much of a leg to stand hey, on. He knows Rick Patino's at St. John's now, right? And he's always going into that unfriendly territory. That's not going to go well. That was hey. such, hey. such a telling deal. He's, you know, New York Brett thinks that what the Big 12 needs is more New York. Right, yeah. I, I mean, he seems like he's doing okay so far, but you got to worry about the fit, I think, yeah. overall. But, hey, but, like, but like you said, Ian, I mean – uh, there's a lot of basketball moves going on. And it is going to be the best basketball conference in the country, in my opinion. It, it, is, so, it is. And I'm, I'm sure you'll miss the media days every year, Ian. <laughs> yeah. You can, I, you I, can Ian, go to Birmingham I, now. <laughs> hey, oh. Ian, I had this question for you. Um, which coach – because I made, a, I made a big mention of this. The coach that probably impressed me the most off the – you know, outside of this was maybe uh, Lance Leopold, the guy at Kansas. Um, who are the coaches that you thought really impressed you overall? Good question. I didn't listen to Leipold. I was uh, conversing with the frog rider, but um, McGuire always impresses. Uh, he knows exactly what kind of stories he wants to create and plant. He has energy. He connects well with people. Um, Steve Sarkeesian. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure. So I'll keep the powder dry on that. But Sarkeesian was impressive. Um, and a lot of these guys were – Neil Brown was, you know, defensive, trying to insist that his team is not the worst in the conference. Uh, Mike Gundy is a little bit combative and in battle as well. Dave Aranda was, like, press conferencing through it, like processing all sorts of complicated and difficult emotions – for us to watch. That was 
I really like him, but I, it didn't make me feel awesome about Baylor's chances this year. Uh, I feel like he's – I like listening to him as sort of a wise guru, but not – wouldn't want to hear that kind of thing if you were my football coach. Uh, Brent Venables is always comes across as kind of manic and all over the place. <laughs> and uh, even Chris Kleiman sounded a little reserved, and he's expected to have one of the better teams. So I, I think the league is down, and I think the league knows it. It's kind of one of my what's one of my takeaways. Gotcha. All right, guys, let's uh, y'all y'all ready to get some questions? Yeah. Hey, let me read one before you go to the first one. Somebody asked about Miles Davis being a silent commitment until yesterday afternoon when he committed a And M. That's a safety out of Converse Judson. Uh, hey, that's not the case. I mean, I've never considered Miles Davis a silent commitment to Texas. Just I wanted to answer that question. I, that that recruitment's always been in play. Uh, I've never considered him a silent commitment to Texas. No, uh, I can vouch for that uh, as well. All right, here we go. Let's start with E. Kim, guys. Uh, he's got a question today. Jerry and Bobby, who has been the most talented out-of-state player Texas has ever landed? That's a great question. That, is it? I mean, it's, 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 that should be pretty easy, right? Is Ricky. it? Ricky, Ricky or Bijan, probably. Stan Thomas? Nah, late first. To the Bears. It's got to be Ricky. But Stan was the number one player in the country coming out of high school, right? No, 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 no. He no, wasn't? No. How about that? No. Number one D tackled in. He was number one at something. I don't know. Yeah. He, he wasn't Probably. that high. Look, Chris Sims is the only Gatorade national player of the oh, year. There you go. That's a good one. But Ricky Williams, the player on the field, Chris Sims, the recruit. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, so a guy named Steve Bernstein recruited Ricky Williams for Texas. He's the defensive back coach for the Longhorns at the time, and he had a, a huge tie to, to Southern California in this San Diego area, uh, actually. He also recruited Bryant Westbrook, who's yeah. another big-time uh, Don't player. Don't forget about Will Goodlow, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> another San Diego guy. Yeah. Bernstein recruited him, too, as yeah. well. Uh, the, the interesting, hold on one second. Let me finish my story on Ricky. The, the interesting thing about him, it, it was he was ranked – so we rank, I ranked him as a fullback the nation's number two ranked fullback behind a guy named Rob Conrad uh, that ended up playing some oh, in the yeah. league, played for Syracuse. He's a good player, but he wasn't Ricky Williams. So I'm, I obviously made a mistake. But my my point here uh, about this recruitment was it was my first uh, introduction to a, a thing called the Best of the West, which was created by the Long Beach Press-Telegram. And they had like the old Dallas Morning or Dallas Times-Herald they had a true blue chip list where they asked the 10 recruiting coordinators of every Pac-10 school at that time who the best players were in California. No, not, not the whole West Coast or whatever, but just California. Ricky Williams that year was the only one to get all 10 votes. Those The recruiting coordinators out there knew he was good. The next closest only had like eight or something. Yeah. And, and so I said, uh, this poll's a little bit different than some other polls uh, <laughs> that are out there. Um, by the way, some other people brought up some other names. Jordan Hicks. Good one. Yeah, very good. Uh, Arch Manning. Yeah. Somebody brought up Kevin Durant. I mean, look, somebody didn't specify the sport. So there well, is that. <laughs> I guess it is probably Kevin Durant if you go by yeah. basketball. If you're going by most hyped, it'd be pretty tough between Sims and Manning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Manning probably wins that. Was the internet? He had the longer. So what's happened also in recruiting, and y'all know this. There's a longer uh, 
a longer incubation period right now in recruiting than there used to be. It used to just go year to year back in the er, or late nineties. And you'd, you'd pick up one year and then immediately go to the next one. Now there's like a two year run on a lot of these players uh, as well. All right, let's keep going here and, uh, you know, add it a little bit more. Here we go. Uh, Joel McWaters preaches sometimes. You can add one player this coming season from the roster uh, from the last 10 years. Who are you adding? Ian, I'm going to let you go first. I feel like we've done this before, and I said Ellinger, but I'll, I'll mix it up and take uh, – uh, well, I, I just want to steal, I think, Jerry's. Is, I think Jerry might have said uh, Joseph Osai. That one would be a pretty big one. Maybe Jared, um, maybe Bijan Robinson though. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Who, who'd you say, Bobby? Last time, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, last I ten remember. years ago, Malcolm Brown. Maybe. Um, Malcolm Brown? I look. I think I would probably go with Bijan right now. Um, I, I think he would be good. I think if you could have Quandre Diggs in the secondary right now, or Kenny Vaccaro, that'd be. They'd be even better, I, I think, because yeah. they were they were playmakers at that position. Now, j that's hopefully what uh, Jalen Catalan is going to be, right? But until he's actually proven healthy, Texas has doesn't have that playmaking uh, that playmaking defensive back. Yeah, if you could add the Seahawks, Quandre Diggs, that was playing deep safety rather than the Texas one that played corner and nickel. That I mean, that guy, that guy would take this defense up to uh, really take things up a notch if you have him in the back in behind Jade Barron. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, just so you know, please feel free to get your questions in. Uh, we'll take recruiting team. Ian was at at uh, the media days. Jerry's been on the road in Louisiana. Uh, get any and all questions in. They're ready to go, uh, and we'll uh, we'll get going uh, with all these questions right now. Let's get going here, and Jerry, let's ask this one because it's a basketball question. <laughs> I know this guy is a big-time player. Oh. Is Cooper Flag going to officially visit? How much can Liam McNeely help out in that recruitment? The second part, not at all. Um, you know, Cooper Flag is he going to officially visit? We'll see. I mean, now, I think tell people who he is. By yeah, the way. Cooper Flag is the best high school basketball prospect in America, bar none, no matter the class. Now, Carlos Boozer's son is close, and he's actually ranked ahead. In the consensus, I think Jamie Shaw and the guys that I used to help the national rankings with in basketball have it right. I think Cooper Flag is an amazing talent. Texas offered him yesterday um, because here's the thing. He's in the class of 2025. He's going to reclass to 2024. He's got a twin brother who's 6'7", who I expect Texas to offer if they have it here shortly, who's a really good player in his own right. Uh, so I think there's actually a chance that Cooper Flag plays a year of college basketball because the NIL opportunities for him and his brother are off the charts. I mean, off the charts for this kid. And that's why you look to reclassify, and that's why you would get to uh, play one year in college basketball because it's not just what you can do for yourself uh, versus a overseas contract or G, uh, uh, G League night contract. It's what you can do for your family and your brother as well. There's a lot of IL opportunities here, which makes going to college for a year a possibility. I'll say that. Duke has always been considered the favorite for him. Yeah, Jerry. We'll see, we'll see what happens. The brother, the brother West, like Virginia opened, West Virginia offered his brother, and West Virginia was getting into that recruitment. What would you say, Ian? 
I'm going to be honest. He looks like a Duke guy. Yeah, well, he does. Yes. And yes. from the Northeast. No hey, less. man, he looks like Clint Chapman, too. Come on. Come on, Ian. <laughs> yeah, but Duke is, like, known for these, like – Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Eastern There's no doubt. So that's what I guess the latest I have on uh, Cooper Flag. All right. Here we go. Uh, Ryan Phelan, uh, Super Chat. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, in a world of stars do or don't matter, at the more developmental positions, would you rather have a room – of five-star OL versus three-star DL or vice versa? Wow. That's a hard question. It is. I mean, that's a tough question. I think you need to have some of both at both positions, honestly. I mean, I, I mean, you don't, you can't just have five three-star developmental offensive linemen and I have Kelvin Banks. You can't just have five three-star defensive tackles and not have you know, an Alfred Collins talent or whoever you want to say, high four-star or five-star guy. I mean, whatever you want to say. Um, but, yeah, I think you got to have a mix of both. I don't think you can have just three stars at one. If yeah, I, I think – go ahead. I think it's hard to win now without one elite offensive lineman, by the way. I, I know that sounds weird, but they need somebody – you need somebody to run behind a little bit and somebody to, to count on up front. Um I've always, I've always thought – I don't know what Ian's thought. is. I've always thought because of what Clemson got done that you can win because you can scheme around an offensive line. I've always thought you can win with Clemson's offensive line because it wasn't as good as the Georgia or LSU or Alabama's, all the four teams who've won national titles since 14. They didn't have an NFL draft pick off of one of those and maybe a couple of third and fourth rounders. But they had first round at quarterback, first round at running back, first round at wide out, and NFL guys at running back. So they were so good everywhere else. I think they could mask an offensive line. I don't. But if they didn't have the D line they they had, I'm not sure they beat Bama. I don't know. Yeah, I I think that I think we could go either way on this. Yeah. Ian, you had something you want to say? Oh, I, I would. I mean, I agree with Jerry that you would rather not pick either or. But I think if you have to pick, this one's actually kind of easy. And you, I, we've seen teams be good with without elite talent on the offensive line. I can name you a team that was this close to winning the national championship with a lot of three-star linemen on offense and five-star type linemen on defense. 09 Texas. In 2009 Texas Longhorn. <laughs> yeah. Because the offense decides where the ball goes. You can move the point of attack around. You can get the ball out. You don't have to play behind your line and rely on them the same way. You could also do like what Kyle Flood did in a, in the 2023 class and get a lot of developmental, massive three-star kind of guys in the offensive line. If you have all five stars on your defensive line, the other team is cooked. Like there's pretty much nothing that doesn't really, even Georgia doesn't really achieve that. No. And uh, you can get by without it on offense and you, the, other team cannot get by if you could do that on defense, I think. Got it. All right. Uh, thanks for that question. Uh, and, uh, uh Ryan, um, all right, Eric 76 question out of the receivers that can leave for the NFL. How many stay to play with Manning expecting a better outcome then than with yours? Um, look, I, I think that of the ones that could come back, it's either AD Mitchell or, um, um, AD Mitchell, or Isaiah Nayor. 
I don't think you're going to see Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy after this year. I, 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 yeah, I, I would say this. I don't think any wideout's going to stay that can go in the NFL draft to stay to catch a pass from the next quarterback. I just don't think it works that way. Um, and I just look, I mean, the, the answers to all this should be if Texas has a really good season, that means Quinn plays well. That means the guys put up numbers. They're all going pro. And that's kind of what you're hopeful of. But Jerry, I don't think that sticks around. Riley player comp. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Justin Blackman. So he's so Ryan Wingo can sometimes is a body catcher, but I think it's because he can. I don't think it's because he is. So I think if you watch the tape, you could say, "Ooh, does he body catch too much?" Well, I don't think he does that because he's a body catcher. I think he does it because he can get away with it. Because there's a lot of times where he just snatches the ball. Um, I that's a tough one. I mean, I've I've kind of said it's similar to Ad Mitchell. In, in some respects, I mean, as far as somebody at Texas is going to watch this year, I, I would need to think about that more. Um, let me think about that while we're doing the show. I, I thought Blackman, just because when I watched Wingo's film, he looks like he's enormous. Yeah. And then his listing is is not that big. For a high schooler, he's pretty big, but it's not as big as I thought. Right. And Black, Blackman was like that in college. When you watched him, you thought he was like 6'3", 230. And he was like maybe 6'1", 210 or something like that. And he just played physical and dominated people, got guys on his hip. And... Yeah. I, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody. Um, he plays a little bit in high school, Jerry, about somebody that's one of the best receivers of all time, and that's Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just so you know, that, that's who he plays a lot like. Uh, Julio was a good receiver. I mean, he's a great player. Don't, don't get me wrong. But he had a physicality to him to go along with going up and being able to high point the ball. It, I'm not making that comparison because that's a big one uh, or a mouthful. But that that kind of player um, is is not it's he's not that far. I mean, he's ranked in the top ten of the country for a reason, right? Right. Um, so I want to I want to say that. Um, all right, this one from Daniel Kinneman. All right, excuse me, from uh, Jarrett Johnson. Uh, in Bobby's conversation with CDC, he mentioned there were approximately. 55 scholarship players on the roster when Sark took over. Why so few? Can you speak to the difference in roster strategy? Hey, Jerry, I know the answer to this one, and you do too, and it's it, part of your favorite ex-coach. Uh, help this one out. Um, oh, go ahead, Bobby. I'll go after you. <laughs> I, I think it's because there was such attrition under Tom Herman. Yeah. Uh, that's why. Uh, he just struck a wrong chord with too many of the guys he recruited. I think he had to go back and de-recruit, and the way he de-recruited guys didn't fit with how how he brought them in. There's a there was some dysfunction on that staff, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to your point, I you better be genuine. That's all I gotta say. You you can't get by anymore without being genuine. If you think you are, it's not gonna happen because once the adversity hits for you as a coach. Those kids are out the door, so you better be genuine. Somebody brought Traylon Burks up. That's not a bad one. For oh, that is a good one. Traylon Burks is a good one. Good job, Zach Williams. Yeah. It's kind of like the NFL now in coaching where uh, <laughs> you can't just have the top-down authoritarian. You have to you have to earn the trust of the players to follow you. Like in the NFL, the, the, the guys follow the coaches that they know will put them in positions to win, right? 
They can't in, in most places in the NFL, you can't just bully your way to right. to discipline. That and that's why Sark we think works in the NIL world in part, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, these guys have choices, you know, that are financially impactful, probably. And so if you're treating them uh with any kind of disrespect, they're gonna leave. They have other options and there's no wait one year like there used to be either. I mean, I, I, I think that's to Jerry's point, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be honest and forthright. Right. And, and no, no putting on airs or any of that other stuff. All right. UT boy asking Jerry, I have a question for Jerry. Are you ready for the John Tay cook show? First of all, John Tay, thank you for the question. And yes, we are. <laughs> 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 yeah, sure, Jonte. Let's get it. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. All right. Uh, this is a super chat from Michael Schuler. Just wanted to donate for some coffee, but also have has your confidence wavered at all since the RPM was out in or is it the same as in June? I'm, I'm thinking that is that talking about Colin Simmons? Who's that be. talking about? Gotta be what about DeAndre be. Robinson? No, I think it's Colin Simmons. Um I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I'm, I'm in at 65% and I'm, I'm still the same. I do think uh, as of two nights ago that he's going to go, they're trying to work it out where he goes to LSU and a and that last weekend. I actually think that's a good thing uh, because that means I think that the recruitment could be winding down a little bit sooner. I've never bought into the December timeline. Um, I, I think, I don't think it goes that long. So I think trying to fit in, both of those visits last weekend in July is actually beneficial uh, for those that are ready to, for this recruitment to possibly end earlier. Um, but I, yeah, I, I still think, uh, I still think uh, Texas is, is in a good spot there and look, but anytime you're still taking visits, you got to see what happens, but I will say this. I think somebody around his recruitment would prefer he gets his decision out of the way uh, before his senior season starts. If he makes visits both to both next weekend, maybe it starts trending that direction. And by the way, I was kind of a smart ass UT boy. I didn't mean it a smart ass way, but I thought that was funny. But yes, I'm ready for to see John Tay Cook. I'm ready for that because I think he has got moxie. Um, any other words I'm not supposed to say on here? I think he's got them. Um, and, and I think Texas needs guys like that on Saturday afternoons. He's got a willingness to work hard, too, yeah. by the way. Yeah, which is something that he's that not he's scared here. of the moment. He embraces the moment. And I yeah. think that's kind of big. David Williams, it, Texas might have three all-conference DTs in Byron Murphy, Tivandre Sweat, and Alfred Collins. In Malcolm Brown, they would have a definite All-American DP and potentially Outland Award winner. Um, David's talking about the uh, who would you add to the group yeah. uh, conversation. I, I'm, I brought this up because I don't think they have three all-conference DTs unless I'm proven wrong. Um, I wouldn't say it's out of the question that Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat get a get a nod, but I, I would be very surprised if Alfred Collins makes that sort of jump. What other DTs in the in the uh, conference that you think are that kind of caliber, Ian, at this point, to your knowledge? I'll throw one. Dominic Williams at TCU is an absolute stud. Not, keep going. He's a stud. Gotcha. Yep. yep. That'd be that'd be up there, I think. Um there's a bunch of emerging enormous nose tackles. Probably one of those. I too many to list, really. Those uh, Texas Tech guys have a chance. Hutchings, Jalen Hutchings, and, and uh, uh, Bradford, who's from North Shore, right? Yeah. I saw them at um, Big Twelve Media Days. They are both similarly built. 
super wide and not very tall. But those guys, the way they play them too, they make a lot of negative plays. They're like low to the ground and quick and move a lot. I don't know that there, there's probably better NFL prospects in the league than those two guys, but the way they use them, those two guys are liable to end up on the all-conference just because of their, their impact. Uh, the uh, the movie star out of Cincinnati. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. Those guys. I saw those guys, too. Those guys are. Corleone's going to be a draft pick, apparently. I haven't watched yeah. a ton of them, but apparently he's going to be a draft pick. They look like it. I'll tell you that. In person, they look like it. All right. Uh, this one from Albert Pola. Has Jalen Catalan been cleared to participate in fall camp? It's my understanding that he has. So we'll see how that goes, but. Um, could he start off with a green jersey like we think that uh, A.D. Mitchell might? Yes, but we believe that he's going to be cleared for fall camp. At this point. Is, he in, is he doing seven on seven right now? Uh, I think he's doing some, yep. Quinn mentioned that. Quinn mentioned that when I talked to him on uh, Wednesday afternoon. He's probably picked him already. <laughs> probably so. Hey, Quinn actually mentioned three guys, by the way. Young, he, he was asked three young guys that, that he was taking notice. Of in the in the secondary, he mentioned Manny Muhammad, Austin Jordan, third one Warren Roberson. That's pretty interesting, right? Warren Roberson probably gave him a shoulder at some point and it made him realize, <laughs> oh, hey, wait, who, who's number four? <laughs> I mean, Warren Warren's Warren's a little, little physical. <laughs> hey guys, uh, Jerry, this is from Gael Guerra. Um, Jerry, do you expect a big coaching carousel this year? Ian, you could take this one too as well. Yeah, let's let's all three look at this. I'm pulling. Hold on, y'all start, and I'm pulling something up uh, so we can be on the same page. All it's a great question. By I the love way. that question. Um, I'm trying to think of like the big jobs that are potentially going to be open. Um, well, I think the local ones. I'm at A and M. He can't go five and seven. Right. Yeah. Let's let's just be clear about that. Arkansas, even though they had they like Sam Pittman a lot, last year was not what they want. It wasn't the consecutive trend upward. Uh, that's going to be one. Uh, I think all the big jobs in the Big Ten are safe. Notre Dame, maybe. Nah. There's probably like a year away, probably, right? They, yeah. they won like nine games last year, so he's probably got a little bit more. I mean – yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the Pac-12. They made their changes last year. Um, you know, I'm looking at the SEC. I I don't – I mean, I Billy Napier will get three years. He's got a top five recruiting class. Um, uh, yeah, Auburn made their change. I mean, I, th I think Bobby nailed the, the, the two big ones that could start the uh, – I mean, does Mac Brown retire at Carolina this year? But that's not really going to move the carousel. Um, there's a, yeah, there's the surprise Nick Saban retirement. That's the one when then, you know, does and that take Dan landing to Alabama's Kirby's kryptonite? Who knows? You never know what Lane Kiffin's going to do. Uh, <laughs> Lane Kiffin doesn't know what Lane Kiffin's going to do. But, much but, yeah, so, so, but Bobby's, I mean, is Syracuse. I mean, those aren't really going to push the recruiting coaching carousel that to me um seems like the answer is no and except for in, uh, unless locally if a&m and oklahoma both crater right then maybe I, I would i would say another way might be uh, one of those guys going to the pros mm -hmm. i mean 
could could somebody be enticed by a $10, $15 million check and go to the pros? If they're like Matt Rule was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the NIL day and age, a lot of these guys aren't going to stick around for all of it. Right. They're not. Ohio State. Ohio State would be the other one. There you go. I don't think I don't think they would fire Day even if Harbaugh whipped him again. But maybe and I think he might. But Day Day would be the one I think that might say, forget get, this. Get out before out. they get me. Get out yeah. before they get me if he loses the Michigan again. Cristobal's yeah. probably got another year. I think Cristobal's good. They like him down there. Yeah. Uh, Mel Tucker's got a fully guaranteed contract for 90 million. <laughs> also, Matt Ishbia is spending his money elsewhere. So I don't think Matt Ishbia is going to be that eager to uh, to buy out Mel Tucker when he's when he's already looking at buying out uh, Bradley Beal, you know. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, from Orlando Rivera, uh, a super chat. Will officiating impact Texas and OU in their last year in Big 12 play? I fear that it will. Ian, you and I have talked about this before. Jerry, we've talked about it. My, you know, a lot of uh, analysis has been done on this. Um, And outside of the Oklahoma State-Texas game where it was 14 penalties to zero, um, there wasn't that many lopsided contest last year for Texas. What was lopsided were the amount of penalties called for holding against Texas and comparatively. So, you know, I think that my biggest issue right now with officiating is the lack of holding calls generally. Uh, It favors the offense way, way too much um, in a league that is offensive oriented, to be fair, right? So I, I don't know how much, but Look, I think that Texas has been on the bad end of officiating for probably the last since Charlie Strong got bumped by a ref and then called a flag on. That was the worst. Yeah, that, that's. I think that that the Big Twelve is kind of. It's always Oklahoma like it or State. Not, has kind of done that. What's it that? Is. Why is it always Oklahoma State? <laughs> oil on oil, baby. Oil on oil. I mean, Puna Ford got called for a phantom defensive holding penalty. Yeah. Let's be clear. Then Charlie Strong gets upset about it. The ref bumps into him. Fifty. That's 25 yards of penalties. They never make another first down and kick like a 45-yard field goal to win or to tie or whatever it was. One of y'all made the point, I think, that uh, some of these officials are going to be coaching for job opportunities in the SEC. I agree. Yeah. I I think that Texas fans are – I think this is overblown. Yeah. Yeah. These guys have to be looking out for their futures too right now. All right. Here we go, guys. Uh, from Nick Lloyd. Um, other than Bama, what game do you think we should fear the most? Am I wrong for thinking Tech or Kansas? Well, for me, well, at TCU, I mean, is a, is a tough game. Um, but for me, I look more – Obviously, we have to see how the team plays. If we have a good feel for how they're going to be, I always the late games when injuries impact you're always more so for me. So a couple, few people have said Iowa State, yeah, it may be a trap game, but they're not what they were. Um, if Texas loses at Iowa State this year, that's not a good sign. Um, I just don't. I, I'll stick to that. Um, I'll, I, I'm going to ask for Bo Davis to make the pregame speech in that one. Just yeah, just play the video on the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm more like I look. 
TCU at TCU is going to be a tough game. I think, you know, TCU did pretty well in the portal at wide out. We'll see what they do offensively. Um, I kind of wonder if Josh Hoover takes over at quarterback there long-term because he fits the scheme so well. So do they transition at a quarterback this season? I don't know. Uh, but they're, they're going to be, they got some pretty good parts on defense. I mean, they got maybe the best corner in the league. They get the tackle that can roll with anybody. Linebackers are really good. Um, and they reloaded it wide out in the transfer portal. I mean, really good players. Um, so I put then, and then I'd look later in the year for me. Hey, Ian, I want to ask you this. I thought of all of the teams there, I mentioned that, that how much I like Leopold at, uh, at Kansas. Is the Kansas offense the best, the best in the Big 12, in your opinion, for college football? I mean, they got almost everybody coming back and some other guys coming in to help uh, secure the offensive line. I mean, literally, what, like 95% of their production is back on a team that was pretty good on offense last year already? I mean, I'll take Texas, but maybe Kansas is a good number two. They play them the week before Oklahoma, so that's – they play them in DKR, which helps. You know, the game before that at Baylor is going to be interesting. Uh, I think Baylor opens with like I think they host Utah and Texas like in two of three weeks or something like that. They have a tough draw, um, and uh, that I don't know what that one could be. I don't think Baylor's necessarily going to be that good, but that early in the year that could be an that could be an interesting one, and that could be an easy trap where you're like, well, we can't necessarily sneak in all our OU prep against Kansas like we would like in the Mac Brown era. So maybe we try to do a little bit of against Baylor, you know? And then other than that, I, you know, Jerry, Jerry had it right. Like at this point at Iowa state is, is getting less scary with the questions around Hunter Deckers, but at TCU is, is a, not a gimme. And then, Tech and Kansas State are the other two solid teams, and they both have to come to Austin, right? Or is Kansas State even on the – yeah, they come to Austin. I I tell you one that kind of uh, is uh, scare – feared is – I mean, last time BYU came to Austin, that was ugly. <laughs> um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It shouldn't be that way now, but just putting that out there, right? Um, Hey, I need to say thank you to our sponsor uh, real quick. Uh, that sponsor is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to get into business ownership for yourself and want to own uh, a piece of America uh, in a franchise business, 
Give Andy a shout at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Andy takes you through a process uh, that identifies your strengths and weaknesses as a potential business owner, the amount of time you have to give to the business, as well as the amount of money you have to, to, to invest, and then can guide you into the proper investment. Uh, give me a shout again at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Guys, I've got to ask this question because we get it answered, asked all the time. I've got a feeling on this after I visited uh, with the uh, with a couple of these guys at uh, Media Days from Nathan Rains, who puts up better numbers this year if healthy, Nayor or Mitchell. I didn't actually visit with those two guys, but I did talk to Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and Quinn Ewers. Um, if I'm a betting man, I would say A.D. Mitchell if healthy. Based on what I heard, do you agree with that, Ian? Kind of see you nodding your head. Well, it just seems like he has the inside track because he was there for spring and he's there for summer, and Nayor's still been easing back in. So I, I think they probably can only really emphasize one of those guys, uh, unless Worthy is injured. So I, you definitely give the nod to the guy that's been catching balls from Quinn Ewers all offseason. All right. Hey, thanks, Nathan, for the question. Loba Bread here has a question. Matt, our producer is listening in here. Can we please try to find this picture out on the golf course? I haven't about, seen it. About 100 degrees, but appreciate everything y'all do. P.S. Ian, the picture with the OU mascot was legendary. I, where is this picture so that uh, you can tell us about this so Matt can go grab it so everybody can see it? Ian, I'll, I I'll, te it. I'll text it to you guys, but I'll tell you that. Uh, Immediately after it was taken, the mascot then turned and gave me a big hug that uh, yeah. just, Justin Wells unfortunately did not catch. Yeah. Or been even hey, you need to Photoshop a pinky up in that one right there with the Sooner. <laughs> I wish I had that skill. All right, Bobby, here, I'm sending it to you. you, can, you there can it is. Hey, so, up. Ian, by the way, Friday before Texas plays OU, you have to wear that same shirt on the live stream. <laughs> <laughs> I, Eric was telling me to make that my uh, Twitter profile pick the week of our writer, so I will. All right. Hey, Ian, let's stick with you real quick from Ryan Nelson. Uh, Dr. Boyd, where would you rank this cornerback room over the last 10 years? Boy, that's good. That's a good one. So the, the good ones would be Holton Hill and Chris Boyd in 2017. With Devontae Davis back up. Yeah. Devontae Davis is like a third starter, really, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, 2014, they had Duke Thomas, Quandre Diggs, and Michael Thompson would all play it. And then whichever of those three wasn't at corner would be at nickel. And uh, we, so we're going back to 2013. Um, now last year's was really pretty solid, but I don't think it, it'll be better than last year's. So, I it could be number one. I think it could be number one because you're missing the uh, some of those really good ones from um, you know 2008, 2009, 2010 when they had Aaron Williams and the Postal Service, Shaky and Curtis Brown, and all those guys. <laughs> I think this is the best of the last ten years because I think there's different types of parts to it as well. You got Speed and Gavin Holmes. You got size and Ryan Watts. You got kind of a Terrence Brooks, who's a physical guy but can run. 
Uh, you got M Manny Muhammad, who's a technician. Uh, I think it's it's a great mix of guys at corner for me, and that's not even counting some of the other young guys. You could add Jade Barron into that group if yeah. you had to. It's well. the deepest, no yep. question, the deepest. And that's a good point, Bobby. If there's a couple injuries, Jade Barron could play corner and and do just fine. And then you move J Jalen Gilbo to, to star. Yeah, who's already or, starting games. Or Austin Jordan, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Jordan. Yeah. So depth is definitely. Somebody asked. I can't remember the. Uh, let me find the question. I wanted the answer for the guys. Hold on, uh, but keep going, Bobby. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to CD first. Uh, oh, somebody, says, somebody asked if there's any silent commitments. Yes, there is. I can't say who, obviously, but they're still silent. Keep going. Yep. Uh, CD, love the interview with CDC last week. What's the chance we could get <laughs> Tim Weiser on here with Bobby? Thanks for the content, guys. You know what? I'm going to send a note to the Big 12 office and invite him to come on the show. You should. Yeah, I should. Just to see what he says. Uh, this is the guy that yesterday uh, made the in, in intelligent uh, statement that Texas wanted to go to the SEC because they would rather lose to Alabama and Florida than K-State and Iowa State. That's the reason. Yeah. Of all the things in the world, that's that's the reason that Texas wouldn't, would want to do that. That is a bonus. I don't, I don't even know what to say to people that talk like that, guys. I mean, it makes me no, it makes no sense. I, I do think that's a bonus. Like as, uh, as Achilles tells uh, Odysseus in the Odyssey, Better to be, better to be a slave on earth than a, a master in, in Hades. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Ian, I love you, man. I did not know that we would get Odysseus <laughs> quoted here. R.J. Yarbrough with this question: Bobby and Jerry, if the development and continuation of stacking top five to ten classes, does Texas win a, nat a natty before Archibald goes off to the NFL? I mean. Maybe. Yeah, if you get six top five classes in a row, um, I at least like your chances to face Georgia in a national championship game. And at that point, who knows what happens? I mean, you know, I, I mean, if, if you start, if, if you put together five or six top five, top seven classes in a row, then I, I could, I could see Texas getting there. I mean, the playoffs expanding now, it's tougher. It's going to be tougher to get to the game in the future, I believe. So, for Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State, it's been a much easier to get to the game than it's going to be in future years. Jerry, this is a good question, I think, because we, we talk about the depth on the offensive line and where they're going with so many things. Uh, Jerry, is there a place – this is from Dylan. Jerry, is there a place for Connor Robertson? Seems Jake Bagers has center locked down this year with Connor or Hudson probably taking the spot next year and Daniel Cruz – coming in at that spot as well. Thanks. So is there a place for Connor Robertson? Oh, I absolutely think there's a place for him because he was the second team center if Jake Major last year, if Jake Majors had gone down with a long-term injury. Um, if he wasn't on paper, it was Logan Parr. He was if an injury had happened. Connor Robertson would have been the starter. Texas likes Connor Robertson. He's just in the same boat, uh, you know, that Cole Hudson is. They're coming off of shoulder surgeries and injuries. So, um, it's a bit of an unknown there, but yeah, I, I, Connor Robertson is physical. He's smart. Um, he's got a lot of winners DNA. He came out of Westlake. He knows what it takes. Um, and I, I think he's very much a competitor, uh, in the future of the center position. And I think he's probably not talked about enough in that manner. 
I, I'm going to say this, Jerry. I'm going to, I can see him getting squeezed. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that negatively. I mean, look, dog eat dog world. Yeah. Right. Daniel Cruz, talent wise, you'd pick Daniel Cruz over Connor Robertson, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Connor Robertson had offseason surgery. So, I mean, look, this is this is a a good thing for a from a Texas fan's perspective. Connor Robertson has to give it everything he's got or he's not going to be the guy. Right. I mean, and I think that that's a healthy thing, uh, not not a, a negative in my opinion, at least. All right. Uh, get, we have about 10, 15 more minutes here for questions. So please get them in. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, I'm with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Please visit us uh, during the day and at night at InsideTexas.com. You can talk to us on the message boards as well as read all the articles. Uh, Jerry and uh, Ian, you guys just absolutely killed it at Big 12 Media Days this week with so many different uh, articles and topics. Uh, I was really impressed. I, what was the the most interesting thing that you heard or thought of uh, while you were there, uh, Ian? I mean, just from a from a big picture standpoint, any any keys you picked up on? Well, I, I it was noteworthy to me how S Steve Sarkeesian continues to just accept the challenge. You know, like Texas is the consensus near consensus number one team in the conference. He was asked whether Quinn Ewers could be a first-round pick in next year's draft, and he just didn't shy from any of it. He didn't didn't cover his bases. He didn't hedge. He's like, things are going well. That's what we're aiming for. Those are our goals. Quinn Ewers is good enough to be a first-round pick. We are trying to win the Big 12 championship. You know, there just wasn't any, any hedge. Um, I, I feel like he's kind of been like that since he came to Texas to some extent. But he, he just sounds very confident. He seems very comfortable with uh, the stakes of being at the University of Texas and the stakes of being, you know, the first team pick number one in the preseason poll since 2009. And then uh, in a similar note, this was my first time to sort of interact and see Quinn Ewers in person. And uh, I, was, I was encouraged by a few things. Uh, he's a pretty cool customer. He's not very comfortable or extroverted, but he doesn't seem um, like insecure or, uh, you know, weak. He just, he just seems quiet is all. He's just sort of soft-spoken unless he's referencing John Wick. <laughs> um, he had like a can of dip you could see in his Wranglers. <laughs> I, I'm not a dip guy, but I kind of like to see that. It just, makes him seem like more of a, you know, tough, hard-nosed country kind of kid rather than a big NIL, like prima donna sort, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, some of his answers and some of the comments by his teammates indicate that he's really – he's not afraid to be a little alpha behind the scenes. Uh, I think his growing command of the offense and increased confidence is, is allowing him to emerge in the ways you really want to see so I, I would say Quinn Ewers has generally been one of my biggest questions about this team. And I feel a little bit better just about him as a, as a character, as a lead character in the story, just after seeing him in person. I'm going to stay with you here, uh, Ian, from uh, Tim Salinas, a super chat. How should Sark attack the 3-3-5 defense? Boy, I'll tell you this much. 
Sonny Dykes was really high on his new defensive coordinator or his defense coordinator, Billy Gillespie. Joe, um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Joe Gillespie. Billy was that him basketball. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I I always think that the best way to attack those teams is usually to spread them out and throw it around because they're built. Um, well, this A and M writer uh, uh, Tagliente was was noting to me at Big Twelve Media Days. He likes to call that off that defense the Venus flytrap because it looks so inviting to run against, but then they have a lot of big run stopping personnel, and before you know it, they're all flying to the ball and they're all in the box. That's kind of that's kind of the way it works. Um, that's kind of their design. Like Iowa State, they don't want you to throw the ball. So they present as unappealing a look as possible to encourage you to run. But then when you do run, they got like 210-pound safeties that are there in a flash. They got big 240-pound Midwest linebackers. The TCU had a similar design last year. You spread those teams out enough, and those big linebackers and those big safeties start drawing coverage responsibilities they don't want. So I think that's the best way to do it. Sark has also had luck with um, unbalanced formations, can sometimes do tricky things to that defensive structure. Um, putting big bodies and running play action can potentially do damage, but I think that that's a little trickier. But it can work if you're good, and, and Texas has had some success. Texas was really pretty good against it last year outside of the TCU game where they got you know totally squashed. Right. You too, boy. I agree. Daniel Cruz is Casey Stuttered 2.0 playing center. Totally agree with that. Oh, that'd be that'd be good for Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Ian. Ian. Woo. There we go, Ian. He right, is. Ian. Rec- Just wait. You'll love him. Uh, who are the recruitments? This is from Jack Sweeney. Who are the recruitments in 2024 that could genuinely be swayed by in-season results this year? So I've got a bit of a different answer to that. If it is, it's going to be somebody not on the radar. Or a guy like Ryan Wingo, maybe? I mean, I just think these guys, you know, if you've gotten to this point with Texas, you've been on the official visit, you've sat with Sark, your family sat with the staff, they've been to Austin, they've seen the university. I just I, I just think, Micah, if Ryan Wingo chooses Texas, it's going to be because the offensive scheme, it's going to be life outside of football in Austin. It's going to be, you know, I, I trust Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Jackson to get the best out of me. I like this quarterback room. I'm thinking more somebody in 2024 that may not be on the radar right now. That maybe if you build some, if 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 you can get a couple of these five star kids to commit before the season or right about the start of the season, then you go run it out and, and you win ten games. It, what's left there? Maybe somebody there. But I, this question is always advanced to the next year. Ten and two regular season with a fun brand of exciting brand of football and more NFL draft picks and all conference and awards. It's 2025 and 26. That's where this stuff hits home. It's the classes in the two years after. Look, it will definitely have a bigger impact going forward, but there may be a couple. Could so be I'm going to give you a name that somebody. I'm going to give you a name that somebody mentioned in the comments. If he's not committed before the season, Texas goes 10 and two, 11 and one, goes to the Big 12 championship game. What about Micah Hudson? Oh. What do you think, Jerry? I mean, possibly. I mean, you know, it's not out of the question. It's just kind of, um, you know, a lot of that could be dependent on what how Tech does as well, right? 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, he would be the guy in state if you want to look at one. Jerry, Jerry I was uh, I was talking to Justin at Big Twelve Media Days about how many defensive tackles they might pick, and I was I was curious for this your opinion on this. He was thinking maybe they they get a fourth, but they wait to see who emerges amongst the seniors within the state in this coming year. Well, I I think it all depends on. I, so I think all these kids are going to commit before their senior season. Like Dominic McKinley, I think will end up moving up his timeline probably or early in the season. Um, DeAndre Robinson goes July 20th. TJ Lindsay's going to go. I don't think it's going to be that long on him. And I think the McKinley family would love Dominic to get it out of the way. So I think there's a chance Texas is done at that position. I mean, it, I got Robinson and, and McKinley. Because Lindsay yeah. seems like. That's not going to happen, right? Hey, I don't know. I I mean, Lindsay's Texas or Auburn. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think, I think it's uh, I think people are swinging. Both sides are swinging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see. Uh, who, we'll see who cracks the whose back cracks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from East Eighth. Do we keep cycling? This is a, a good roster question. Do we keep cycling out players through the portal at a similar rate now that it's a majority of Sark guys? My hunch is yes to keep ramping up the culture of competition. Mm. I'd say I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no, uh, that that it won't be like year one, but it may be a little bit more than there was last year. Agreed. So instead of three or four, I think it's going to be seven to eight on average because you'll have guys that, I mean, to be fair, just aren't, they they don't they're not a fit at Texas, whether that's competitively, uh, talent wise, or what have you. That coaches misjudge, and or you'll be at such a depth of position position depth that somebody's going to want to transfer and play early. Otherwise, well, that's what I was going to say. Once you start stacking top ten, top five type classes, kids that come in essentially a lot of times have two years to make it or break it. Right, Bobby. Sometimes they get three, but after two years, a lot of these kids maybe see the writing on the wall. I mean, once you start ta- stacking the talent, I, I, I think that time goes from three years to two years. And if, you know, if you don't make a dent in the depth chart after two years, you have a decision to make maybe after three, depends on where you're at in your degree, whether you want to get that degree from a place like Texas before you move on. But um, I, I think it's a two, I think most of these kids are looking at a two year window right now to make a dent maybe three. So I think that number goes up a little bit. I agree with you. All right. Um, Hey, Ian, something that I want to bring up, uh, because we've talked about Jonathan Brooks a lot, a lot on here over the last couple of months and talked about him. Is he going to be the go-to guy? One of the things that Sark said that struck me guys, he talked about, he talked about, we got to find out whether Jonathan Brooks is an eight to 10 carry a game guy, or if he can be the 20 carry a game guy. And I'm going to say this, you talk about defeating the 3-3-5. Jonathan Brooks is the type of running back that can beat guys in the flat in the passing game. I think Jonathan Brooks actually could be one of the more important pieces to that. And Sark is looking at it no differently than we've been talking about, guys. How much can Jonathan Brooks give him? Is he the guy that can take on 20 carries and rush for 12 to 1,500 yards? Or is he an 8 to 10 running uh, carry a, a game guy because his body just won't hold up. There's a lot of things to parse there. I almost want to just wait till our Sunday conversation. <laughs> uh, That's fair. We can. I, I agree that he's um, 
him and him in the passing game is a major weapon. Uh, we saw that in the Alamo Bowl. I do wonder he's got a smaller build, which could be part of the the reasoning there by Sark. Um, there's also, you know, if Sark would rather get Baxter involved earlier, then maybe he would just say that, you know. That's where I'm going with it. Yeah. I, look, I think there's a there's a part of that that Cedric Baxter has to play. Like there was somebody asked last night, could Cedric Baxter redshirt? Number one running back in the country, don't recruit out of Orlando to what redshirt or else he's going right back to Tallahassee. Okay, it's not going to happen. And and here's the thing: it's no it, when you recruit these high level guys, you need them to be good. Texas yeah, wants to recruit, Texas wants to recruit in Florida. Cedric Baxter needs to be a good player. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, going to Nick Louie. Uh, Nick's asking, is it smart to make a large bet that we win 10 plus games asking for a friend? By the way, Bobby, you were a savage on that dweeb last night. <laughs> he did it to himself. The, 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 the question I have here on this and, and Jerry and, and Ian, I've been going back on back and forth on this. I think Texas is going to get to 10 wins. I don't know how they get to it. Right. I'm the same. So do they win 10 in the regular season and then, lose the big 12 championship. And then I think they're going to get to 10 wins. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be in the regular season and or with the uh, big 12 championship. I I think they'll, they'll most likely go into conference play two and one, most likely. That's what Vegas says. Um, You know, they, they would then have to win, you know, nine of the, or eight eight of the next nine. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Which they've got the schedule to do it. This is a great schedule for Texas. But yeah, I agree with you. Is it going to be nine and three regular season, ten and three? I, I don't know. But I've I've just last year I went from five to eight. This year I'm going from eight to ten. I, I don't care how they get there. That number is important to me because ten wins will put you in the top ten in the final polls. Probably put you around the top ten all season long. It keeps you on your ascending trajectory. I don't care how they get there. Sark just needs to get there. I got asked today by a national writer, um, you know, does Sark have to win the Big 12 for Texas fans to be happy, or does he have to win a New Year's Six bowl game? I go, you guys don't understand what Texas wants. Texas wants a positive trend line, and they want to be a program that wins year in and year out. What they don't want to see is a roller coaster like Tom Herman rolled out there. They don't want to win 10 games one year and six the next. Right. Or seven. They want to keep steadily improving. So there's not this timeline on he has to win the Big 12 right now. No. That's that's just not the case. I, and I would say I would say 10 wins is my number this year. One, it's a two-game improvement. But headed into the SEC, when you're going to be recruiting those kids, and, and Texas fans at fall recruiting are seeing how difficult this is when you go into these – Louisiana East, and you in a 30-year class could come from there. Um, Texas, I think going in with 10 wins and a top 10 season is very helpful at the right time. So much of it's timing for me. Got it. All right, Beagle says, I just want to say love this morning, though, if they didn't win the Big 12. What did you say that? It would be very disappointing, though, if they didn't win the Big 12. They're not going to get another chance, you know? Yeah. Oh, I I see. From From that standpoint, I agree. What I'm getting at, though, is he won't be fired. It won't be. Sark's not in trouble because of it. Right. Right. That's that's my point. Um, this from Bingle. I just want to say love the work y'all do at IT and glad to see more YouTube content. Hook them. We enjoy doing this. Uh, Ian, you have come into your own 
by the way, in the last six months on this thing, people uh, are really excited about you and your takes, uh, whatnot of late. I've been getting some personal messages. Jerry, you're always. I, I, agree, I agree with that, by the way. About Ian getting better? 100%. I think so too. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, well, Bobby and I have been doing this stuff for years. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, Jay the Activist, is Wingo like Jamar Chase? I actually almost brought that up. He's a little bit bigger frame. Jamar's six foot two, 200. Wingo is going to be 6'2", 215. So he's a little bit bigger frame skill set, not that dissimilar and athletically. Got it. All right. I need to say thank you to our sponsor, and that's uh, uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, thank you for being a sponsor of our show. show uh, the past, geez, uh, almost a year and a half now uh, for him. Uh, Andy is uh, a guy that helps you put your own business together uh, and tries to get you owning uh, and running a franchise. So if you're interested in owning your own business, give him a call at 404-973-9901 or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, if you've been thinking about owning on your, your own business, give Andy a call. He can help you out. All right. We got a few time for a few more questions today. I want to get to those and see what we can uh, talk about here. Hey, hey, Bobby, I may have to run. Okay. If you need it, can you, you need to go now? Yeah. Yeah. I got to get going. All right. I appreciate I the catch guys. So. Safe flight. Safe flight, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you guys. We'll be on again Sunday. All right. Hey, Ian, this one, I want to, I want to get this one real quick for you. Um. And the reason I bring this up is he's another guy that I think helps beat that three-three-five defense in the flat a little bit. Do you agree with that? Yeah, if he can crack the rotation, right? That it seems like the last we've heard has been that he's maybe fallen back a little bit in the pecking order, um, and not been as reliable as as uh, as Brooks or some of the other guys. So I don't know. I I kind of take the long road with him because so many, so much of what he does is either still developing or it overlaps with like, like if you want to throw it in the flat, Brooks is great there. Keelan Robinson is really lethal there if, if he catches the ball reliably. Um, and then the uh, Wisner, if they want to use him or, or uh, Whittington, if they want to move him into that role. So I don't know. I, I think we probably will have to be a little bit patient with the with the Savion Red experience. I think that's fair. One of the things I think you have to do is you have to be able to make the first linebacker miss in space against yeah. the three three five because that 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 is just not a good good. It, it is um, it's not a good recipe for that defense to miss tackles. I'll put it that way. They take too many chances up front. In the to your point uh, of trying to load the box a little bit, especially on first down, Ian. That's that's a big one in my opinion. Hey, want to say this? Some people are asking about uh, Ryan Wingo and how fast he is. He's run a 100 meter, I think, before ten six. He's fast. He's fast. Yeah, he's I don't know if he's four three eight Jamar Chase fast. Uh, to be fair, I, I I really don't know that. Um, all right, this one from uh, Eric seventy six. Colin Coward said he believes in Sark and called Texas a glamour program. Do you agree? I think Texas should be tough looking and shed the glamour. I think it's hard to the last. I mean, when you're the, let's be clear. It's hard to act blue collar. Okay. When your program makes the most money of any program in the NCAA. So there's going to be some glitz and glamour. You're also in a city like Austin. You're not in Starkville or Ames. 
or Norman Palouse, the Palouse. You know, you're you're in a uh, you're in a, a cosmopolitan city. You make the most money. It's hard to shed that. Um, I think you have to embrace it a little bit. Miami, if you recall, they had a bad boy image, but they were also a glamour program on South Beach back in their heyday. So I think you, my point is, I think you can do both. It all really depends mostly about what, uh, uh, what you do uh, on the field of play, in my opinion. You know what I liked about the Sarkeesian hire was not that he'd been under Saban, although that's great, but that he'd been at USC when USC was successful. Because that Pete Carroll model is probably a better, because Pete Carroll managed to, he managed to, to find that balance between being like a glitzy, glamour, offensive, explosive, star power team. But then they were really powered by it. They were physical on the offensive line, and they played defense every year, and he was a defensive head coach. All right, one, one final question. I agree with you. He, and the other piece on that, um, Ian, that I think is important, Pete Carroll – stacked recruiting classes at a place that wasn't in the at a place that didn't have a ton of off didn't have not did not have a ton of defensive line endemic to its area if that makes sense uh they they did a good job uh so i i like that all right i want to say this real quick last question uh for this one i want to thank beforehand uh ian boyd and uh jerry hamilton for joining us today uh, William A. Jones, and I want to get Ian's take on this. I don't quite get the Tommy Reese hire for Alabama. The former Notre Dame uh, offensive coordinator moved from Notre Dame to Alabama this offseason. Maybe I'm missing something. Did you like that hire for Alabama? I thought you made a good point the other day when you said that Nick Saban knows he's got to run the ball next year, and Reese is very much Notre Dame last year. They had, they had a, this game last year where their headsets went out. And he just called down to the field, just run duo until I get down there to the sideline and I can tell you what to do. Um, and they had the kind of team to do it. But I, uh, it, you, it, Alabama has been tied to chasing a few different OCs and quarterbacks in the last offseason and not getting them. And there's something, there's something going on there like people are afraid to tie themselves to Saban, uh, maybe because they're worried about his longevity. or or something else is going on. It just doesn't seem like that program has quite the same inevitability and inertia around it that it has in the past. Maybe it's just losing to Georgia twice. I don't know. But, uh, well, he, if Nick Saban is one of those guys, if it's not working, he's going to try a bunch of different ways to make it work, right? Yeah. He's not going to keep banging his head against the door. So um, I, I thought it was an intriguing hire strictly because I think they should be a run first team. I'm not in love with their receivers right now, uh, much less their quarterback as a thrower. No doubt. So that, that's where that's at. All right. Uh, thank you, Ian, uh, Jerry Hamilton, both of InsideTexas.com. I also want to thank all the Super Chats and everyone that joined us. Ryan Phelan, Jay the Activist with a couple, Michael Schuler, uh, Orlando Rivera, Bengal, Nick Louie with a couple, RB in the Rock, Dante Hudson just with thanking us. That was nice. CD, Eric76, Loba Bread, Tim Salinas. And if I forgot your name, I apologize uh, greatly. Also appreciate all the guys on Inside Texas for coming over. I uh, hope everybody got their questions answered from Jerry about recruiting. 
We'll be back on Sunday night with another live chat as well. Uh, Ian and I will have our uh, Sunday conversation on Sunday morning here. Uh, it sounds like we probably need to talk a little bit about Jonathan Brooks and what uh, Steve Sarkeesian had to say there. Uh, for Ian, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.